Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. I'm actually out in L.A. today, and I'm going to bring on Conrad Company, and we're going to jump through some uh, Amani Bates talk, a name that you're probably not super familiar with yet, uh, but he's a, a kid in high school that you're going to need to familiarize yourself with because I think he might be the best prospect in high school basketball since LeBron James. We're also going to talk about his son, Bronny, and we're going to jump into some Memphis recruiting, some Kentucky recruiting, uh, talk Precious Achua and Jaden McDaniels and get into where I think those two may end up. Before we do that, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Uh, leave a rating. would love it if you uh, gave us five stars. Leave a review. Uh, all that stuff is extremely helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now I want to bring in my man, uh, Conrad. What's up, dude? Welcome to L.A. Back again on First Class. I heard first thing you say is like, man, I bumped up to First Class again. It's, it's always a good uh, it's a it's a good way to start your morning. Get a little breakfast, get some room, get a little nap in. That's not bad, man. Well, you've been all over the place. I know every time I wake up on Twitter, you're announcing another kid leaving the school transferring. You know what's crazy is, is I the, I work best on planes. That's like my favorite place to work. A long flight, getting on a plane for four hours. Your phone doesn't ring, but people can get you via text. And I I can just write like that's my, my best place to write well i mean i know you your phone is always ringing that is one thing for sure i since you've been here i think like six different people have hit you up with information but, but no yeah. let's uh let's get right into this though so you were at was it last weekend mm -hmm. you were at it was in indiana right yeah, the nike eybl in yeah. indianapolis and it was brawny against Bates, which is like something that like usually a lot of people are like 14 15 year olds playing against each other it's not that hyped up but it was blowing twitter up yeah you know i don't i actually prefer not to watch kids that young i, I kind of have a rule of not watching players that are in middle school uh, so there's often times where a special prospect is playing up like last year I saw uh, this kid we were about to talk about Imani Bates uh, the summer leading into his freshman year uh, and that's who I, I watched play Bronny James in Indianapolis he will be a freshman in the fall uh, out here in Los Angeles obviously the son of um, LeBron James and like the setting Conrad was like unlike anything I've ever seen at an AAU event. And you've been to probably, what, thousands of AAU events at this point? Well, I've, I've been covering uh, college basketball recruiting full-time for 12 years, and then I've been around for two or three others. Uh, I just, I, I've never seen anything like it. There were security guards every 10 feet. It was standing room only, uh, going back like eight rows of people. People were standing on the bleachers trying to get a, like a, a view. LeBron James had a, a friends and family and Nike executive section in the corner by the bench and, and on one side of the court. And then you had Amani Bates on the other. And uh, Amani Bates put on an absolute show. He scored 43 points, grabbed 11 rebounds. I know it was kind of fitting, like you got LeBron James on one end and you got the kid that I think may be the best prospect in high school since, you know, there's a couple years gap where I wasn't around, but, um, you know, I remember some freshmen being extremely dominant. OJ Mayo was certainly one. Yeah. Uh, now he hasn't gone on to, to have the NBA career that maybe some of these other guys were, but Kevin Durant was terrific when he was young. I remember watching Jason Tatum and Harry Giles when they were freshmen and they were as good of freshman prospects that I've seen. Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, those were awesome prospects as freshmen, but I think Amani Bates might surpass all of them. 
Yeah, and I can obviously see that. I mean, if you watch the clips, you can go on YouTube and you can find Imani Bates highlights all you want. But watching this highlights against Bronny James last weekend, I know you hate comparisons. And every time you come here, I give you comparisons. You're going to say Kevin Durant. How do you not see it? I, I do see it a little. I mean, I, I it's, see it. it's unbelievable. I mean, how tall is he at this point? He's pushing 6'8". And he's got the that similar build that Kevin... Very lanky, yeah, long. Long, but really thin and yeah. slight. But that does not bother him. I mean, his. I, I was really impressed with just his um, advanced skill package. I'm talking the the dribble moves, the jabs, the hesitations, how tight his handle is. I mean, he could get anywhere on the court. Yeah. They ended up double teaming him because he was, you know, torching them so badly. But I mean, he can do it uh, from three. He can pull up on a dime and make mid range jump shots. He's got runners and floaters. He's lacking strength, but he could get to the rim and he's athletic enough to punch on you. But then there's also a motor, there's vision. He can really pass. He plays hard. He competes. Uh, he's a special, special talent. And the show he put on was, it, it was tremendous. And apparently, and I didn't see the next game, but he backed it up with a 41 point outing, uh, right after that. I mean, this, this kid is special. And if, if there's like a young, prospect um for for your normal college basketball fan to go look up and and look at highlights this is your guy yeah definitely and you mentioned you don't like watching kids that young but when you watch him you watch two or three minutes of highlights and you go okay this kid's good you watch a couple more minutes and you're like wow and i mean it's not like this kid is zion williamson playing against high school competition like he was where it was just a bunch of guys that were six foot tall these kids are his size they are big players yeah no and and Bronny james's team they're called strive for greatness they're based out of california it's full of really good players there's a kid named dior johnson that's going to be a high major prospect he's a 2022 so he's a sophomore sky clark also out in california is a, a 2022 prospect a big kid named jackson kohler it's six eight ish um so he was playing against good talent and obviously it's 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 early and I, I'm usually very cautious about putting this type of stuff on a, a you know, a player that's 15 years old. Yeah. He's that special. It really is evident. The biggest thing for me, and I know you talk a lot about Bronny like this, but for him to not only put on this show against top-level competition, but to put on it in front of LeBron James when he's in the stands, I couldn't imagine the nerves that would have to go in a situation like that. And watching him score, it's almost like at ease. Yeah, it was effortless. And and I wanted to mention that. So like uh, a couple weeks prior in Atlanta, I guess LeBron pulled um, Amani Bates aside and had a conversation with As him. As he should. Yeah, he pulled him aside and had a conversation with him. And so after the game, uh, myself and two of the reporters were talking to Amani Bates and. One of the reporters asked, well, what, what schools have you heard from? And, and it's Kentucky, Michigan, Michigan State. Which schools hasn't he heard from? Well, <laughs> well, here's where I'm this, – this is where I'm going with this. So right after that question, LeBron comes by and, like, daps him up, says good job, good luck, and keeps him moving. And the next question was, you know, if this rule changes, will you try to go straight to the NBA? And his immediate response was, yeah, that's the goal. And, and he said that – honestly for the past six to eight months like that is the goal for him and if they open up the rule i mean as of today I, you got to think that he's going to be that's that's a couple years down the line but the, the call your shot that, kid yeah exactly call your shot i, I want to talk about Bronny too because yeah absolutely he um it was my first time seeing him play uh he had 11 points in that game um but like i said he's he's playing up Mm -hmm. And uh, he's about 6'2", pretty sturdy build for a kid his age, um, fine athlete. I was impressed, much like I was with Amani, with his poise. I mean, you mentioned the environment. I mean, and I, I guess he's by this point he's probably used to it because – Has to be. Every event they go to – I was talking – 
to their AAU coach the other day, and he said, you know, that's every time we step on the floor, it's that type of environment. So I'm impressed with the poise, but also the skill, uh, the decision-making. He's a really good passer. Um, kind of a smooth, effortless jump shot. Made three threes in the game that I saw. Um, it's obviously a long ways to go. I would say I'd project him out to be a potential um, high major player one day, yeah. but it's obviously very early. Do you think that it is unfair when you – I mean, now we're coming down the stretch where a lot of NBA players' kids are coming through, and, I mean, they're getting older now. I mean, they're in their high school years. Do you think it's unfair the amount of pressure that people put on Bronny? I was telling you a story beforehand where I was watching highlights, and I had two people come up to me saying, he's not going to be that good. He, the, the light's too bright for him. He's not going to be the next LeBron. Do you think it's unfair that people try to put him in that category just because he is the greatest son? Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely unfair, and um, there's not going to be another LeBron James or a guy no. built the same way, uh, in, in the same form or fashion. But this kid could still be a really good basketball player. Like I remember watching uh, Michael Jordan's sons play, and yeah. they were like good mid-level guys, mm -hmm. major guys. I think. I think Bronny has a chance to be a high major player. Now, it's early. It's the, his ultimate level is going to depend on skill development, physical development, um, how much better he gets. Um, but at this stage, like, pretty impressive. Well, I mean, for me though, too, with Bronny, it seems like his love is in basketball too. Where I mean, like, and I, I'm not saying that Michael Jordan's kids weren't, but with him, I mean, with the AAU circuit being what it is, he's playing basketball probably nine months out of the year, if not probably more than that, training more. But it seems like he's really invested into basketball. I guess that's the case. I don't. I don't. I don't know that to be the case. Like clearly, he loves ball, and you know his dad's into it. Like LeBron was into the game. Like, I mean, this is was... probably the first time that his dad's ever been around this time of year. Realistically, the past yeah. eight years, he's been in the finals at this point. Yeah, he he was into it. He was coaching. Uh, well, he he. I mean, he wasn't the coach, but he was. Oh yeah, we know. <laughs> he he was involved. I guess is the best way to put it. So, uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch both of these kids um, progress because I think Amani's that special, and you know. Bronny being the son of LeBron is just going to draw a ton of attention, but I, I think he can live up to being a, a high major basketball player. Yeah, well, I'm obviously being from the Cleveland area, I'm very much so looking forward to Bronny. I've been seeing those guys. I mean, I went to Akron, saw those kids when they were, when they were pups. LeBron would bring him around when he would train with Kevin Durant. Wow, I've been seeing him around for a while, and now to actually see him kind of mature and to yeah. prosper, it's amazing to see. I, I hope all the best for the kid, honestly. Now let's move on to some of the craziness that's been happening in the college recruiting world. What is going on in Memphis? Well, Penny Hardaway's got it rocking and rolling. Yes, he does. I mean, they are they they are doing a tremendous job uh, on the recruiting trail. They have the number five overall recruiting class uh, in the 2019 class, and I think it's going to get better. Um, it's going to get better. I think it's going to get better. Uh, maybe soon. Um, Precious Achua, he's a top ten prospect. Uh, I think his recruitment is down to Memphis and Kansas. Uh, I think he ultimately ends up in Memphis. Uh, I think that they're the leader the in the clubhouse heading down the stretch. And that's a capper on what is already a, a really good class with James Wiseman, who um, you know some think he's the number one player in the country, some think he's the number two player in the country. doesn't matter. He's, he's going to be really good. He's going to be really impactful. But then there's four other – or five other four-star prospects in this class. C.J. Jeffries, Lester Quinones, Malcolm Dandridge, Damian Ball, and they just got Boogie Ellis, who decommitted from Duke yeah. last week. So um, they're on this ridiculous stretch. Like, Lester Quinones committed last week, top 50 kid. Boogie Ellis committed a couple days ago, top 50 kid. And I think they're on the verge of getting Precious Achua, who brings versatility and athleticism and motor. And if they get him, 
they'll move up to the number two recruiting class in the country just behind Kentucky. One thing that always intrigues me, though, is that when coaches like Penny Hardaway come in and they make an instant change, kind of like when Coach Cal went to Kentucky. I mean, he had great classes at Memphis, too. What sets them apart where kids instantly are willing to go and play for these guys? I mean, Well, Penny it, is different yeah. because he's Penny. Like, he has this aura. He's got his own shoe. Like, yeah, yeah. there's the coolness factor but with, none, with Penny. But none of these kids ever watched Penny Hardaway play basketball. I mean, parents did. Yeah, I, I understand. But even me personally, being in my mid-20s, I don't remember a ton of right. Penny Hardaway. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, look at it this way, too. So, it started out uh, James Wiseman. He coached him. Yeah. Malcolm Dandridge, he coached him in high school. So there's two out of the gate he coached. DJ Jeffries, he coached in AAU. So they get those three. They're all local kids. Then they get Damian Ball, another kid of Memphis. He basically locked up the entire city of Memphis. I mean, this is a guy that has ridiculous ties to that area. So he was getting all those guys. I think that, and I'm not surprised that he's getting other guys, but I think the uh, important thing here is that he was able to not only get those guys, which I think was an expectation, but now he's going on getting national level recruits like Lester Canones and uh, Boogie Ellis and potentially Precious Achua. And I, I think Mike Miller deserves uh, oh, absolutely. Some, some love here too because you know he, he was the point man on Lester and, and he was a point man on Boogie Ellis and his point man on Precious Achua. And you know he has obviously some, some really strong relationships from his playing days too. Yeah, he does. So I, I think though, that, that factored in as well. Now, you brought up James Wiseman a couple minutes ago. I've watched tape on him. It, to me, he just seems, he seems like a very athletic big. I mean, has he stretched his game out much? I mean, is, is he shooting more jumpers now? Like, what's yeah. what's the impact of James Wiseman? Now, he's always had a little bit of the ability to get out on the floor. Um, but I think, so he's, he's seven feet tall. He's got seven, six wingspan. Uh, the offensive tools have always been there, like the good hands, the touch. He can get to a hook shot. Um, I think the range on his jump shot has extended. You know, he's always been able to make that elbow jump shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can shoot threes. Uh, I think he's a little ways away from being consistently making them. But I think it's a shot that's going to be in his arsenal in time. I think the thing that impressed me about him the most during his senior year, and he didn't have the best summer. And he there was people nitpicking at him. Um and he was hurt. But but I think the thing that stood out to me the most during his senior year was how hard he played. He played with a different level of energy uh, and a, a, just a, a different motor. And I think that if he continues that, it's it's going to really help Memphis next year. And then I think in turn, you know, he's got a chance to be one of the top couple guys taken in the draft. Watching his highlights and watching him, the first thing that jumps out to me is defensive end of the ball is where he really, really excels. I mean, his timing seems impeccable. It is. It is. But I... I still think there's area to improve on on defense in terms of shot blocking. Like he's a good shot blocker. Mm-hmm. He's not like I'm. I'm just thinking from high school terms. He's not the shot blocker that Mobamba was, or the shot blocker that Nerlens Noel was. Uh, and and Nerlens was a tremendous shot blocker in high yeah. school. He's not the same level shot blocker as those guys, but he has the ability to be. Mm-hmm. Because he has the athleticism, he's quick off his feet. He's got instincts. He's got good timing, um, and also you know shot blockers too. It's can you get the shots with both hands? I think he can. Uh, so I think that's certainly an area that he could, uh, as good as he has been at it. I don't think he's reached uh, the ceiling uh, of how good he can be as a shot blocker. Yeah, definitely. Now, last thing on Memphis. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing on Memphis I have. How legitimately good do you think they're going to be in the AAC this year? Looking at this roster, I don't know who's going to beat them. I mean, Houston and Cincinnati and uh, UCF are all three really good teams. I mean, UCF took Duke down to the final seconds in the right. tournament. 
does Memphis come back in, or are they now the top well, they, dog? They lost a lot. So I think you got to first factor that in. But two, they're bringing in significant talent. This is a this is Duke Kentucky level. That's what I, that's I said that on a, um, a radio show earlier this week. It's is this is a whether they got Precious Achua or not. It's a Duke or Kentucky level recruiting class. I think they're going to get him. So this is this gives them um, ridiculous talent. I think you know you've got James Wiseman as a centerpiece. You've got Lester Quinones and Boogie Ellis are both really, really good shooters. And one of the things that I, when Lester committed to Memphis, he talked about was it's going to be really hard to double down on James when we're surrounding him with shot makers. Yeah. So I think that their pieces fit. And then Precious would bring the motor, the athletic ability. Um, he plays with energy. So they've got a bunch of different guys. And, and they've got guys coming back like Tyler Harris and Alex Lomax. And Tyler Harris, I thought, um, raised his level of play during his freshman season. So I think they're one of the biggest stories in college basketball because of what they're accomplishing on the recruiting trail. And I'm curious to see how all of that talent meshes and comes together for them next year. And, um, you know, there's been scenarios where talent doesn't mesh. There's yeah. been scenarios where talent does. I happen to think that their pieces fit. I'm telling you right now, though, if Memphis ends up becoming a top five team in the country next year, which with this roster, I don't see how they're not going to be playing it against the AAC, too. I mean, not playing in the ACC or the Big Ten or something like that. We're playing against always the top level competition. If he gets in the top five recruiting class and secures a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament next year, I think Memphis is around for a long time with Penny Hardaway, and that's good. that's scary. Yeah, for sure, especially if he keeps recruiting the way he has. So now we're moving on to Kentucky, which is obviously one of the biggest blue bloods in the country, and you were just mentioning Precious Achua. And now Jane McDaniels is the highest-rated prospect left on the board. Where are you hearing about him, and is he going to end up in Kentucky? Yeah, outside of you know Memphis's run on the recruiting trail, perhaps the biggest storyline in high school basketball recruiting is where does Jaden McDaniels go? And it's gone back and forth. This time last week, I thought, for certain he was headed to Kentucky. Um, I fully believe that that was what he was going to do. Um, I do think that things have changed. I think uh, when you're dealing with 17, 18-year-old kids, oftentimes minds change and his recruitment wasn't done. And, uh, you know, Kentucky had met with him at Nike Hoop Summit and then Washington went back and met with him. He's from Washington. Um, so I think that they're very much a player in this, Washington. And it's a battle. Hopkins going to get another one. Yeah, it's a battle between Washington and Kentucky. Um I lean towards, as of today, Thursday, Thursday the 16th. So I lean towards Washington slightly, um, but I would not be surprised either way. But that's one of the biggest storylines in recruiting. Where does Jaden McDaniels end up? I think he's really more of a luxury if he ends up at Kentucky. I don't think they necessarily need him. They've got a really good recruiting class. He would bring versatility. On the flip side, if he goes to Washington, they've already got Isaiah Stewart coming in and he would give them another five-star prospect. So I'm curious to see where this ends up. I think we'll see a decision soon. Um, he hasn't set a date. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he, he's very to himself and quiet and doesn't say a lot. Um, but I think we'll see something from him in the near future. Well, if that's how he is, I could see him ending up at Washington because Washington is a lot different than Kentucky. Kentucky, that's usually not where the quiet kids end up. <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're very different. And I think the, the, the other draw to Washington is that's where he's from. Yeah. And proximity um, often 
factors in in recruiting. And if he ends up at, at Washington, it's the reverse Terrence Jones. Yeah, you know, remember that story when he, who ended up at, at Kentucky. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, but sticking on Kentucky, so in this class, so they, they lost a lot. They lost P.J. Washington. They lost Kendall Johnson. They're losing Tyler Hero. Who is going to be this Kentucky lineup next year? Because we know Kentucky's at the end of the year is going to be down the stretch. They always are. Yeah, I think that they're the, they have enough talent to be right there again. Um, I think that at the point guard spot, they're bringing two freshmen back that are very good, very defensive oriented, uh, but can also really pass. Uh, Ashton Hagens, I thought really took control of that team at certain times late in the year uh, in terms of his defense uh, and his ability to distribute. So I think he'll probably start at the one. Did it surprise you he came back? No. No, he needed to come back. Yeah. He needed to come back. Uh, he's got to work on that jump shot. That's the next step in his game. If he wants to go to the NBA, he's going he's gonna to turn into a shot maker. It's a shot maker's league. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a, actually a very mature decision for him to come back to school. Uh, I think Tyrese Maxey probably starts at the two. I think he could even lead them in scoring. Uh, he was awesome at the McDonald's All-American week. Um, just an equipped score. He can play with the ball in his hands. He can play without it. Uh, on the perimeter, I think, is where things get dicey i mean i could see them starting a keon brooks i could see them starting a johnny juzang who could really shoot um and then in the post kentucky doesn't have decisions yet from ej montgomery or nick richards uh, they do have the graduate transfer nate sestina um, they're not going to be incredibly deep in the post um, but i do like their depth and talent and combination of shot making from johnny juzang and tyrese Maxey to the athleticism of khalil whitney and and keon brooks just a score so i i think they do have some really nice pieces on the perimeter i think they may be a little light in the post yeah which i mean is not usually a thing for calipari in kentucky they usually have some bruisers down low to at least go along with the combo guards i mean in this class alone i mean four small forwards right now and one combo guard yeah yeah, I mean they that's they really just bolstered their their perimeter and they would have liked to have gotten uh, some other post players but it, it just didn't work out in the cycle but they still have the number one recruiting class in the country no and it's it's funny to me now that we have the luxury term when it comes to players I feel like this whole entire Golden State Kevin Durant thing now people are using the word luxury how you use Jaden McDaniels where he'd be a luxury for Kentucky <laughs> not necessarily need him he's a luxury yeah, at this point 100 a luxury no but so. it's uh it's it's always fun that that word just amazes me when it comes to basketball people that yo he's a luxury don't really need him but he'd be a nice I mean, it'd be nice to, it'd be nice for them to have him but i'm just saying like i think they can contend for a national championship without Jaden mcdaniels i got you now move on to the other blue blood let's look at duke's recruiting class duke lost eh, about everything <laughs> yeah. how how yeah. how do they come back this year and what are they going to be well they're going to bring in um a, a, a four-man group uh that consists of uh, vernon carey in the paint that's that's their centerpiece uh in in the post and this is a kid that can score the ball really well around the basket he's every bit of six foot ten he's burly he's strong uh, he can really rebound so he was a centerpiece of that recruiting class but they'll bring in matthew hurt that can really shoot yes he can uh, he can really shoot and then Wendell Moore, uh, who I I say is like an elite utility guy. Like mm-hmm. he can he can guard, he'll rebound, he gets in transition, he can pass. Like he does all the little things. Uh, and then Cassius Stanley, who is a freak show athlete. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential as a defender. He's really good in transition. So those four uh, for Duke. And look, I, I think they'd like to add uh, another player in this group. They had Boogie Ellis committed. He recently decommitted yeah. and then ended up at Memphis. So uh, another another good recruiting class for Duke. 
Duke. And then I, I think the team that that also have to mention in terms of top tier recruiting is it, this year is Arizona. They're, How does Arizona keep getting these guys to come there? The number two recruiting class in the country, uh, a couple five stars and Nico Mannion and Josh Green, a late bloomer and Zeke Naji, uh, Terry Armstrong is is in that class. They've got a shop locker from out here in L.A. Christian Coloco, it's a star-studded class. So they're so the way the recruiting rankings shake right now uh, on twenty four seven Sports is Kentucky, Arizona, uh, Duke. Um, and then I think we're going to end up seeing Memphis slide up to, to two at some point and drop those those down. Yeah, but what what is in the water in Arizona? Arizona year in, year out, always has a top recruiting class. I mean, I've never been personally to the University of Arizona, so I don't know what the draw is, but it seems like every year they always have one of the best basketball programs. Well, if you look at their recruiting class, Nico Mannion's from Phoenix. So they got in on him early. Josh Green and Nico Mannion played AAU basketball together. They're very, very close friends. Arizona targeted him early. Uh, Terry Armstrong is is in Scottsdale, Arizona, so he's not too far away. Christian Coloco, when he came to the United States, Arizona was the first one of the first schools to recruit him. Uh, and then Zeke Nashi, they just did a good job of building a relationship. So uh, I thought. I thought they just did a good job of really getting on some of these guys early. And Arizona has a strong brand. Like yeah. I, know, I know there's obviously been a lot of, of stuff going on with the FBI investigation, but their brand, uh, as far as kids wanting to play for them, mm-hmm. especially on the West Coast, is extremely strong. I know the Pac-12 needs it, too. I mean, between Washington and Arizona both, I know the Pac-12 was really down last year mm-hmm. when you have uh, Cronin headed to UCLA. So I think the Pac-12 might actually have some pretty big strides this year. Get back yeah, we'll up see. there. We'll see. Let's let's talk some draft, brother. Oh, what do you think of the uh, the lottery? To be completely honest, I probably feel like a lot of people feel. I'm not a huge fan of the new lottery system. I I just did not like the fact that the Pelicans and Memphis. Once I saw both those teams in the top four, two of the worst markets possible. I know people in New Orleans probably aren't happy to hear it, but either of the Nike executives that have been dealing with Anthony <laughs> Davis there for the past five six years. I mean, in, in total, I was really pulling for the Lakers to get that top pick just because I think that's amazing content the fact that you could probably package right i mean i think regardless if the lakers would have got it they would have sent uh the number one pick to new orleans said give us anthony davis got free but yeah in total i think that it'll play out right and uh you want to be on the record saying that 100% Zion's not going back to Duke? That was so absurd. Like I came, I can't believe people were actually like texting me asking that. It, it's funny as soon as it just somebody sent me a text message and and was like, "Well, why don't you check in and see if there's any truth to this?" I'm like, "No, I'm not checking in to see if there's any truth to this. This is stupid." I can't believe that it actually became a thing. I mean, Zion Williamson is not going to turn down twenty plus million dollars to go back to Duke for another year. That's just not how it works. Not a chance. That's the fact that we're even talking about it is it means that it got taken way too far. And I I watched the segment uh, that that uh, Brian Windhorst talked about, and he was really more explaining the option was there if he didn't want to go to the Pelicans and then it took on a life of its own um, but, but I just, he is going number one so I mean there, there, there's no doubt about that you know you don't want to be the guy that turned down uh, Zion Williamson or traded Zion Williamson or didn't draft Zion Williamson that's how you get fired and that's why I think it's so funny all these teams coming out saying well if we did get the number one pick we would probably trade it and like with the Knicks and stuff like that you hear stories like that and you just have to shake your head you're like man this kid is once in a I want to say maybe a generational talent we have to see how he plays in the NBA obviously athletically he's a freak right but at the same time when people are like yeah well why doesn't he just go back to school if he doesn't want to play there for a year Stupid. there's there's no way there's no way that would ever happen 
How actually do you see this top five shaking out? Well, I, th- I feel like the top three are, are fairly set. Everyone's been saying for the longest time it's a three-draft class. Zion Williamson, one. John Morant, two. Uh, R.J. Barrett, three. And I think this is then the, the draft kind of opens up in my eyes. Like, I think that's where... I think that's where this thing kind of opens up, and and we'll see what happens. Uh, and because I think at four and five, so you got Zion to the Pelicans, most likely, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. You've got John Morant to the Memphis Grizzlies, R.J. Barrett to New York. Now, real quick, how do you think John Morant will play learning under Mike Conley? Do you think that's a great place for him to end up? Well, I mean, I, I think we'll have to see what they do with. Mike Conley, if, if they keep him around, do they trade him? They owe that man a lot of money. That's yes. going to be a hard contract to You're trade. Right. You're right, and and you know, could be a good place for him to learn under Mike Conley. They also have, they already have like a really strong young piece in Jaron Jackson, who I think you can make a case is one of the more exciting young big post player prospects in the NBA. Um, and then you couple that with a, a really talented young point guard in John Morant. Those are two really quality pieces. Um, and I, I want to mention like. R.J. Barrett going to the Knicks. This time last year, R.J. Barrett was supposed to be the number one pick. So I like, would say up until January. I, I've seen all this, um, you know, Knicks fans upset because Zion Williamson is going They're still there. getting a tremendous player. You're getting a really good player. And you're getting, a, I think, a, a kid that's going to be NBA ready. Like he's Do you a, think he's the most NBA ready right now? Um, Zion, Zion physically looks like he's right. the most NBA ready. I, I mean, I wouldn't shock me if he's averaging more points than anybody. Um, next, like at the end of next season, of of the guys that are going in this draft, I, he has um, the scoring package, the size for the position, the motor. I mean, he's literally been trained to be a professional basketball player his entire life, and I think he has an elite work ethic. Like he really works, and I know there's some questions about his jump shot, and rightfully so. Uh, it's he, pretty though. Like the, you, you well, can see made, how it's going to work. He made some adjustments to it last summer, and I'm curious to see where he takes that this summer mm-hmm. um but i think i mean the knicks are getting a and like rj barrett loves spotlight too like he, he's gonna be really good there. wasn't zion the one on the record on the interview saying that new york was rj's team when they were talking to zion about it? they were like how do you feel about the chance of playing for the knicks he's like actually talk to rj about that that's his team <laughs> well so i think those three are pretty set yeah and then I, this where it gets dicey is with the lakers do so darius garland's represented by rich paul shocker clutch so like does who isn't represented by clutch you hear about in the news anymore? so d- does darius garland go to the lakers maybe is he a good fit next to some of those guys i think because of his shooting ability that he could be could him and lonzo play together potentially um but or do they go the deandre deandre hunter route who's got good size and length and he can defend but then can be like a three and d guy that can make jump shots because i think you need to put some shooters next to mr lebron to Le- james lebron and i was having this conversation with my colleague um at 24 7 sports josh gershon and he was talking about how he thought cameron reddish would be a good fit next to lebron and i gave that a little more thought and i think it makes a lot of sense because of um the the shot making ability and the truth is is i don't cameron cam reddish has never been an alpha dog um and i almost think he doesn't i don't say he doesn't want to be the man but i think he's more comfortable being your Second, third option. And I, and I, I would Duke, agree with he's that. He's a third option. He's a really good third option. Um, so I almost think that that could be a good fit. It wouldn't surprise me if they go in a Jarrett Culver route. I think those would be – that's the next tier to me. 
Yeah, no, I those guys. I would agree completely. And I know a ton of people didn't get to see Darius Garland play at Vanderbilt that much because he hurt his knee early on in the season. But he can shoot flat out, let it fly. He mm-hmm. puts he puts the ball in the hole. That's for sure. I mean, Jared Culver and both DeAndre Hunter. We saw them both in the national championship. They both have yep. that winning mentality and pedigree. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, man. He really turned it on in that national championship game. He was awesome. He was awesome in the championship game. And I think the thing that's like one of the reasons he's become such a good prospect outside of just the good physical, like the the ridiculous physical gifts, is I've really been impressed with his growth as a shooter. Um, As a freshman, he shot 38.2% on 55 attempts. This season, up to 105 attempts, 43.8% from three. That's a clip. Yeah. And at 6'8", 225 pounds, it can guard threes and fours. You're, there is a lot of value. Now, he doesn't handle it well, and he's not going to break you down, but he can guard and he can make shots, and I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another kid that I know a lot of people are now starting to talk about because he really came on towards the end of the year, Kobe White. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he, I mean, before the season started, I mean, he wasn't even looked at as a first round draft pick. I mean, it was it was you were looking at no. Nazir Little from that team and saying he was going to be in the top 10. Right. And now Kobe White has really kind of propelled him with himself up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if when you look at mock drafts, you know, a lot of them have him going somewhere in the top 10. And I, I see think, him going seven to Chicago. Yeah. And, and he he helped himself as much as anybody. I, I would say, you know, John Morant helped himself a ton. Zion Williams, well, I guess a lot of these guys did. Zion wasn't expected to be the number one pick heading into the season. Now he is. John Morant was was kind of projected more late lottery. Now he's going number two. R.J. Barrett, you know, was expected to be this good. Kobe White wasn't expected to be a top ten pick. And I think where he, um, he just plays so hard, man. I love watching him play. He plays hard. He competes. Uh, he brings energy. He can guard. Uh, he's got this elite speed. He's almost too fast sometimes. Like he's going to have to learn to control that. Um, but I, I just think there's a lot to like there. And it, the North Carolina system was perfect for him because yeah. of how fast they want to play, how fast he is. I think he could, there's still a lot of area for improvement too. Like he can be 232 threes he shot this season, 35% from three. He can be more efficient. I didn't realize he shot that much. That's a lot of threes. Yeah. That's a whole lot of threes. So uh, I think he's he was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, but I, I'm curious to see after this three, after those top three, because then I think everyone's board is going to look different. Oh, I'd agree with that 100%. So I think that's where it's like going to be a fun draft to watch because of that. All right, Evan, last question before we get out of here, talking about the NBA draft. Give me two sleepers outside of the top three that you think can have an impact in the NBA. Well, I, I think two guys that maybe stand out to me that I think we could see move up during this draft process, the boards. Uh, a kid from Florida State, Fundu Kamengeli. Uh, this is a, a kid that is six foot nine. He's got long arms. Uh, he's versatile. He can guard. There's, you know, he had a, I thought he had a really productive season at Florida State, averaged over 13 points a game, nearly six rebounds, and played just 21 and a half minutes a game. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of upside and a lot of versatility, and he's long and he can make shots. He's improving as a shooter. He had shot 65 threes, hit 24 of them, or 25 of them this season. I just think there's upside there. Mm-hmm. And the other guy I would mention uh, would be KZ Okapala. 
he hasn't turned 20 yet. He's got the measurables, the size, the length, the the developing skill set. He's a late bloomer. Averaged nearly 17 points a game. Um, played at Stanford this 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 past season. Uh, made 37% of his threes. I think there's a lot of upside there too. I don't necessarily know that either are ready to come in and make an immediate impact, but I think both during this draft process, I could see them rise up some lists because I think that they're really intriguing with their physical tools and their developing skill sets. Okay, that so, makes sense to me. I'm uh, I'm fired up to see how the 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 rest of this draft process goes, and we're really not that far away from. The, I mean, we, the draft. and we talked about it off air. There's a lot of really big name kids from schools, and uh, that I'm not even seeing the top ten anymore. We mentioned Bull Bull kids like that. I mean, where. They were consensus top five, top ten picks for the year started. Yeah, and and, and Bull Bull is unfortunate just because of the injury. Yeah, because um, he was lighting think, it up before. Yeah, he was, he was, and uh, he he'll certainly be an interesting one to track because he has he has fallen. Now, he's not the only one that's fallen. Nazir Little's fallen. Romeo Langford's stock has has dropped some. Um, even Rui Hashimura, who you know, yeah, I, I think after the first couple weeks of the season was being looked at as a 5-10 to 10 guy. So there's it, it still just so much to play out, Conrad. So, yeah, Conrad, I'm, I'm glad we were able to, to get together and, uh, and and do this. Hey, man, anytime you're out in L.A., I'm always happy. Awesome, brother, awesome. Well, before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines podcast. The best way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Leave a rating, leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.